this is Brother Jerry, the pastor here at Friendship Baptist Church, and you are about to watch one of our messages. I hope that during this time that you would prayerfully listen. I hope that the Lord speaks to you, that he uses this message to help you grow. I hope you're able to experience God. I hope you're able to connect with him and connect with our church. I hope that you're able to respond to what he's doing in your life. I hope you enjoy. May the Lord bless you during this time. Oh, here he comes. <laughs> Herschel, is that you saying something? Never mind, I don't even mind. We're in the house of the Lord this morning. He'll take care of whatever nonsense you just said. Amen. I'm just kidding. You all ready to praise the Lord this morning? Oh, it's always a good day when we get to come together. Praise the Lord. I'm really excited about this morning. We got some exciting stuff. We are going to be partaking in the Lord's Supper today. That's really exciting. Y'all realize it's been almost a year since we've been able to do that. That's, that's crazy. Um, in fact, it was last year we did it uh, um, when the women went to Women of Joy. So for the women, it's been even longer than a year. And so I'm really excited about the opportunity to do this this morning with y'all. Um, we're going to walk through some of that. And I'm excited about his word this morning as we get back into Galatians. I'm excited about worshiping the living Lord. Are y'all excited about that too? I got a couple announcements. If y'all would just pray for me with my voice and things. I've been congested and dealing with some things this week. And so just, just pray that the Lord gives me strength this morning. Uh, uh, and and y'all um, clear clarity so you can hear me this morning. But more so that you would hear him and, and whatever his spirit speaks. And so couple announcements. We're still doing Reach Texas offering. That'll be collected all month of the month of September. I think we have um, $230 collected last week, and so our goal is $1,000. We can do $250 for the next three weeks. We would meet our goal, and so I just pray um, the Lord would help us be faithful in that as that goes to all the evangelism and missions in Texas. And uh, Boy, do we need it here in Texas too, don't we? We need the Lord to be um, magnified, lifted high, and, and exalted in Texas. Women's Bible study, Get Out of Your Head, is on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, 5.30 and 6.30. Um, tonight, though, because we have a business meeting tonight, the women will not be meeting tonight. And so uh, you can either come on Wednesday or you can come on Sunday. It'll be the same um, uh, session, and so uh, next Sunday, I mean. And so keep that in mind. Friendship masks are for sale still for $5 a piece. That's a youth fundraiser. It goes to getting them to camp. They got the little... Logos on there, black or blue, you can get them from the Friendship Center in the back after church today. Big announcement, October 4th, y'all say October 4th. October 4th is a family ministry launch day. Um, I'm so looking forward to this church because we've been working on this for over a year now, just asking the Lord, God, how do you want our families to live out the gospel. We were praying for that back in 2019. And so this is, is part of that initiative. It's, it's to say, all right, here's where we feel like the Lord is taking us as a church. Here's how our families are going to be intentional. Here's how our church is going to equip our families in being intentional about living the gospel out in our homes. That's for grandparents, for parents, for great-grandparents. That's for uncles, aunts. That's for people that live single, have no relatives around because we have a lot of youngins in our church that need the extra support it takes a village amen so uh, we need um to keep the lord first and that october 4th is going to be a big kickoff with that it'll be a great day and the lord's house will have the 
thing that's been saying coming soon for over a year. It'll be opened up. We'll explain that. So again, exciting stuff. With that being said, October 4th is also the day all of our children's uh, ministries kick back up. And so all of the children's stuff will be open. That means Sunday school will be open. Also, Sunday school for adults will be open. Everything's kind of kicking back up on October 4th. And so if you are a teacher and, and you struggle with that, I, I know I've already talked to a few of you. Um, we're going to make whatever, uh, we're going to seek the Lord in whatever way we can and do the best we can with our classes. That might mean it looks a little different for some of our classes that don't want to meet right now. That's perfectly okay. Um, and we're going to seek the Lord in that. But as a church, we're opening it back up. And so, again, when is all that happening? October 4th. October 4th. Okay. Heavenly Father, we seek you this morning, Lord. God, I, I know we're going to find you. You're already here, Lord. And as we um, worship you, God, I know that your spirit is going to reign in this place. Lord, your spirit's going to move in our hearts. It's going to change our hearts, Lord. It's going to make us look more like you, God. What a privilege we have to, to look like you today, God. Lord, help us leave this place um, looking more like you as we go into our community, Lord, into the uh, places. I know we got people from out of state even visiting with us this morning. As, as we go back to all these places, God, would you be magnified and exalted in these places, God? Lord, and may you be worshipped today. Lord, we yield our hearts to you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I think you're going to be all right, brother. You had plenty of air for that. <laughs> so you'd be okay. All right, this is going to be our birthday and anniversary song. Y'all would stand with us. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its word. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. We're on live today, right? We're a week late, but at least we're on, right? All right. Well, Brother Wayne Thornton, y'all know he hadn't been here in a while. He asked me about a year ago to sing this song. So the reason it's in here now is for Brother Wayne. And uh, Brother Wayne, if you're watching, this is for you, brother. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice in the same old life, if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, it's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, He's a prison-shaking Savior. You got chains. Well, he's a chain-breaker. Oh, we've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. And we've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. And we've all run to things we know it just ain't right. And there's a better life, there's a better life. If you got pain, 
I can sing about that amazing grace all day. I don't know about y'all. <sighs> is this grace amazing to y'all? I don't know how you can look at God. I don't know how you can know God. I don't know how you can be known by God and not think about how amazing that grace is. And, and as we sing that, I pray that it's a reality that God has shown you that that the very voice that you have, the very heartbeat that you have, the very movement of, of your lungs being able to express praise to Him is by His grace. And then the desire of the heart that we even desire to do that this morning is by His grace, church. Praise the Lord for His grace. I'm so thankful that we have a God that is so graceful. We're going to see that over and over again as we go through Galatians. It is a book filled with a grace-filled God. I pray that you see that as we go through it. Today we're going to kind of look at this word called covenant. And this word that I said is covenant, we don't really hear that too often today, do we? We're a lot more contract, kind of contract people, not really covenants. We don't do covenants very often, I don't think. And when you think about a covenant, what comes to your mind? And I know for me, it's probably a little gruesome, um, but it's really what comes to my mind. It's when I watch them TV shows where they kind of have, they, they make themselves bleed to be able to kind of form a covenant of blood. You know what I'm talking about? You see that happening. And, and that's kind of what I think about when I hear the word covenant. And I think, even though it might be a little gruesome for us this morning, I think it has a good sense of, of, of depth for us as we think about this word covenant because this is something that is paid with someone, meaning Christ's blood. And so as we look at this word covenant, it's very important in our understanding of the gospel. You say, why is covenant important to the gospel? Well, what is the gospel? 
It's a covenant. Amen, brother. You think about the gospel, what is it? What comes to our mind? You think, well, it's, it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? It's good news. And, and amen, that's good news. It is good news. It's his death, his burial, and resurrection. But why is that good news? Why is it good news that a Jewish man 2,000 years ago came and, and, and lived a life on earth and, 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 and went to a cross, was dead, buried, and then three days later claims to have been resurrected, and then people have seen the resurrected Jesus. Why is that good news for me and you today, here being 2020 in Blackfoot, Texas, setting in Friendship Baptist Church? Why is that good news? Because I believe it is good news, don't y'all? Well, I believe it's good news because that's our only hope. Apart from Christ, we have no hope. The fact that God came as man and was killed by his own people because of a love that he had for them people and a desire to forgive those people and a desire to commune with those people, it gives us hope today. How? By grace, through faith, in Christ alone, we've been talking about that. But why is the word covenant, why is it important to the understanding of the gospel? Well, because the gospel is a covenant. It is a covenant that God has made to us. And I, the title of the message today is the gospel good news is revealed by and through a covenant God. The source of this covenant is what makes it such a beautiful covenant. You know, I can covenant with you all, all day long and at the end of the day, it's just me. I'll try and I'll try probably pretty hard to keep my word, but it's just me and I'm probably going to fail at the end of the day. Amen. Y'all with me? But when you look at this covenant, the gospel message, and the source being God himself, it's a promise from God in which is fully capable, fully able, fully willing, fully just, fully perfect. I mean, this is amazing when we really get down to the bottom of this. So what is a covenant? A divine covenant fundamentally is one in which God binds himself by his own oath to keep a promise. Praise the Lord. And in Scripture, we really find this one overarching covenant. We'll hear different covenants as you go through Scripture, but there's really one overarching theme, covenant, in which God has for us. If you think about it, it'll start to make sense. It's from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. It's this beautiful divine promise in which God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's a promise promise from God, a covenant promise from Genesis, from the time of Adam till the time Christ returns in Revelation, when we see this throughout all of Scripture, this beautiful promise of a God, a covenant God being our God with his covenant people through a covenant promise. That makes a verse like 1 Peter 2.9 so beautiful, that we are his chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, that we might proclaim the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That beautiful definition of who we are is because of who our covenant God is. Amen? So as we look at this this morning, we must understand covenants in the right way because You'll hear of multiple covenants. There's the Adamaic covenant, the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the, the Davidic covenant, the new covenant. Now y'all are going, Whew. it's a lot of covenants, right? What does it mean? I think it's important that we understand this fact that God makes covenants with us and what that means for us today. We can't just think that, 
well, God just kind of got tired of this promise, and so he's coming over and making this promise with somebody else. That's not what happens in Scripture. He's not saying, well, this one didn't really work, and so I'm going to make another one. I I know you say, well, I understand that, but do you really understand that? Because I think a lot of times we look at the first half of the Bible as a failure, and then God had to make a different plan through Christ. That's not the story of Jesus. There's another story that's so much more beautiful than that. It's that God has never had a plan B. Let that sink in for a moment, that God has never had a plan B. That His plan A is the plan that always works. That gives me so much hope. That means that God doesn't have a plan B for your life. You're not living God's plan B for your life. Doesn't that give you just a little sense of hope in knowing that God has His hand in your life right now, exactly where you are and exactly the mess that you're in? Praise the Lord for that. He doesn't have plan B's. It's his story. We can't confuse God's interaction. Listen to me. We can't confuse God's interaction with man with man's approaches. We can't confuse those things. God does interact with man, but he doesn't use man's approaches. But so often when we think about how God interacts with us, that's our only understanding, and so we put man's approaches on it, but that's not how God works. we got to understand that his ways are higher than ours. Amen? That, that my wisdom is foolishness to God is what the scriptures tell me. Praise the Lord. When you look at who God is, he's not bound by time. Literally, to be present in the past, now, and future doesn't make sense to me. So history is kind of ironic in a sense. There is no history to God, really. It's his story. It's just there. I hope that gives you hope. Why am I talking about this this morning? Because Paul is going to draw on three covenant promises this morning from the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3 and chapter 4. He's going to draw on three amazing covenant promises. And church, oh, this passage might challenge us this morning. It might challenge us. You know, a lot of times when we come to church which isn't even really a thing. We, we, we are the church. As we come to the church building to worship together, a lot of times we think, um, well, maybe God will give me just one thing in the sermon this week, and I can kind of leave and, and live that the best I can. Are we guilty? I, th- I thought that way for a long time. I come and see what God wants me to fix in my life, and I go home and try to fix it. But that's not the message of Christ. That's not the message of Christianity. That's not the message at all. But I think we get caught up in that sometimes where we always are trying to look for this thing. But what my thought to you today is, is what if we come this morning and it's not necessarily a principle that we have. It's not necessarily this one little truth that God just gives us and we go home and work on. What if today God just simply wants to give you a glimpse I know she's cute. I know he's cute. Y'all got to look at me, though. All right? What if, listen to me, what if instead of just coming to get this little practical truth, this little application, and leaving and trying to do that the best we can, what if God just wanted you to simply see him this morning? Would that be enough? Would that be enough, church, if God wanted just to simply show you himself a glimpse of the glorious mighty God that he is. Would that be enough for you today? I pray it would be. The picture 
that we're going to, or the journey we're going to take today is to see a beautiful picture. I'm really looking forward to this. Have you all ever been on a journey, like maybe one of them cool hikes, where you kind of go and, and, and it's really long and hard, but at the end there's something spectacular? Have you ever been on one of those? In fact, I had the privilege, me and Jacqueline, uh, last summer, we went to Tennessee, and the Smoky Mountains are beautiful, you know, and, and we went on this hike, and it was like a seven-mile hike, and, and interesting enough, it was called Abraham's uh, Waterfall, I think is what it was called, and so seven miles. Now, this was before I lost all that weight. You realize I was <laughs> seven miles through the mountains is hard, and I'm going through, but you know what? I started going through it, and I started seeing these breakaways of of the streams and, and how beautiful it was. Y'all ever seen that? And then, and then I started to keep traveling and, and it was hard. It was rocky terrain. It was roots filled. It was tough. But at the end, you know what happened? I came to this place and it was the most beautiful place that I could ever imagine. It was a waterfall like I've never seen before. It was just crashing down. I couldn't believe it. Now, it wasn't really that special, but I worked hard to see that. And so it was special to me. This journey was amazing to me. This morning, I want to invite y'all to walk a journey with me. It's going to be a little tough. We're going to walk through. There'll be some pretty sights that we see, but there's going to be some rocky terrain we're going to have to travel through. And it's a long journey. It's two whole chapters through Galatians. But will you walk this journey with me? And I, I tell you this morning, if you do this morning, if God gives his grace and lets you walk this journey this morning with me, you'll be amazed at the view we see at the end. Are you all ready? Father God, Lord, there's nothing more beautiful than a covenant God redeeming, restoring, rescuing his covenant people through a covenant promise. God, those are heavy words. God, I pray that the words aren't what we understand today. I pray that it's the spirit of the text that we understand today, Lord. The fact of who you are. God, show us a picture of you and your righteousness and your glory, Lord. God, I praise you for this journey we're taking. Lord, I invite everyone in this room to take it with me, God. But Lord, you're our guide. Your spirit is our guide. Lord, at the end, we'll come to the most beautiful place in which we'll also get to partake in the Lord's Supper. Oh God, I pray that you move mightily this morning through your message, through your word, as we sing, as we seek you, Lord. Show us you in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. The first point that I want you to see this morning, we're starting our journey. The first point I want you to see this morning is the Abrahamic covenant reveals that God's promise is given by grace and received through faith. Again, this is a journey. There's a lot here. And so bear with me as we go through um, the text because we're going to have to read a lot. But, you know, I'm even ashamed to say that. Bear with me as we go through this text. Church, please don't bear with me. Delight with me. This is God's word. No matter how long we're in his word reading this morning, would you delight with me in what we're about to hear from the Lord? If you're in Galatians chapter 3, say amen. amen. Oh foolish Galatians. Listen to Paul's tone. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? 
Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed was in vain? Verse 5, Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by works of the law or by hearing of the faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, If you, in you all nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Verse 10, For as many as, we, for as, many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We might receive what? The promise of the Spirit through faith. The first point this morning, the Abrahamic covenant reveals that God's promise is given by grace and received through faith. Now this idea, church, should be almost one of them ideas that you say, wasn't this last week? Wasn't this the last week before that? Wasn't this really everything we've been looking at for the last year? <laughs> wasn't this, are you with me? I believe when we hear this by grace, through faith, we should be aware that, hey, this is something we've been talking about for every time we've got together. For however long we have been getting together, this is something we will always talk about, church. As long as I am pastor here, the words by grace through faith in Christ will be screamed from my voice. <clears throat> so it's not a new idea, but what does Abraham have to do with any of this? Well, Abraham is the father of the Jews, right? Y'all remember that song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And then it uh, talked about how I'm one of them, you're one of them, and something about a right arm, left arm, right foot. Whatever any of that has to do with uh, Father Abraham, but Roy, did you never sing that, brother? <laughs> I never sung it either. I think it was by God's grace. <laughs> Just teasing. Father Abraham, he's the father of the Jews. What does that mean? And, and the church gets included in that too through the New Covenant. But the point that Paul is making here is, hey, Judaizers, if you're wanting to talk about the whole Jewish idea of, of following the law to be saved, this whole problem they've been dealing with, this whole book. He says, if you want to talk about that, let's go to the first Jew there ever was. Let's go to Abraham for a second. Let's just think back to Abraham. He says, if you want to talk about circumcision, it was Abraham that was the first person that was ordered to be circumcised. So let's go to Abraham. And so look at Galatians 3, verse 5, one more time. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you works miracles among you. Does he do it by works of the law or hearing of the faith? 
And then he comes into Abraham, verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. What is Paul talking about here? Well, he's saying, listen, Jews, let's talk about Father Abraham for a moment. He says, you remember what the word tells us about Father Abraham? In fact, he starts quoting. You all know what book he's quoting from? Take a good guess. Where would Abraham be? Genesis. So he's quoting from the book of Genesis. Anybody know what chapters? Chapter 12 and chapter 15. Make a mental note of those. Take them and read them. Actually, in fact, I got them on the screen here. Chapter 12 of Genesis is what it says here. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is the Abrahamic covenant. This is a promise God gives to Abraham. So Paul is quoting part of this. He said, you remember this? This promise is huge here. This is huge. Why is this huge? Well, Abraham was just some pagan dude. He was nothing special. He was a pagan guy not seeking after God at all. And God shows up to Abram and he says, Hey, Abram, leave everything you've ever known. Follow me and I'll bless you. He says, follow me, and I'm going to bless you. Sounds a little familiar, don't it? God usually doesn't change his language too much, even over 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 years. He says, if you're, he says, I'm going to bless you, follow me. Nothing of Abraham's initiative here. Paul points out that even with Abraham, it is by God's grace that God's blessing comes. But this whole blessing might sound a little too good to be true, right? Y'all know the story of Abraham. He's 99 years old. Sarah's 90 years old. And so this whole promise of a, of a great nation, all this sounds a little too good to be true. And so he's struggling with that a little bit. And so then that's where Genesis 15 kind of comes back into this conversation. So in the screen, Genesis 15, verse 2, it says, But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. He says, God, I don't have an heir. It says my slave in my house is going to be my heir. And he said, the Lord said, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward the heavens. He says, count the stars. If you can imagine doing that, if you can number that, count the stars, so will your descendants be. See this beautiful, grace-filled promise God gives Abraham? When you continue in Genesis 15, you see the grace part even more. If you get into verse 9, I'm not going to read it. I've got so much to get through today, but... In verse 9, it starts talking about this covenant even more so. It uses covenant language. Actually, in the Old Testament, um, uh, in that era, they, they would take, and I've mentioned this to you before, but they'd take animals. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine taking an animal, cutting it in half? Joey, I'm going to borrow some of your animals this afternoon, okay? I'm going to take them, I'm going to cut them in half. I'm going to set them on each side, and we're going to walk through them. That's a covenant I'm making with you. That's what they would do. And the point of that would be to say, if I break this covenant, I'm as good as dead as these animals. 
It was a covenant of blood. It was a serious thing. And so the Lord tells Abraham, he says, go and get these animals. And he goes and gets them. He cuts them in half. He does that. And instead of Abraham and the Lord walking through them together, you know what happens? There's a sleep that comes upon Abraham. He falls asleep. And guess who walks through? This is beautiful, y'all. The smoldering um, fire and, and oven or whatever language it uses there to represent a symbolic. Even from the time of, of, of the Exodus, we see the symbol of God being in fire and, and, and he, this little thing just floats through and walks through by itself. What's that mean? God's saying, I am making a covenant with you, Abraham. I know you're not going to be able to fulfill any side of this. Praise God, church. Doesn't that sound like grace to you? Paul says, not only was it by grace, though, it was received, it was received through faith. Look at verse 6, Galatians 3, 6, or Genesis uh, 15, 6, whichever part you're at, both of them say the same thing. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Again, we got the grace, now we have it received through faith. He believed the Lord. Abraham was then afterwards circumcised, but before he was ever circumcised, he was justified by grace through faith. Y'all say that with me. By grace through faith. And while justification is a one-time occurrence, faith is not, though. Y'all realize that, right? Sometimes we get the wrong understanding of faith, that faith is something that happened when we accepted Jesus. Faith is not just a one-time thing. Faith is something you live out. You, it's a posture you put before the Lord. You, faith is something you live by. That's why he quotes Habakkuk chapter 2 when he says that the just shall live by faith. That's why Romans, Paul in Romans says the just shall live by faith. There's a fact of living by faith. When we understand grace, we live by faith. You don't realize that's what Abraham did and that faith is shown by radical obedience. Abraham literally left his family, his home. He left everything he had. They say that's the second greatest miracle. The first one was, was Jesus born of a virgin. The second one was Abraham convincing his wife to go with him. <laughs> he left everything. Left it all. Radical obedience. Why? Not to be blessed. Not to earn the blessing. But because he was blessed. The grace had already come. And so the faith is a response of that. Think about Abraham. He left it all. Why? Because he believed God. If we believe God, we will radically obey God. I'm fully convinced of it. If we believe him, really believe him, we will radically obey him. Think about Abraham in Genesis 22. Y'all remember that story where Isaac is, is there now as a child and, and God tells Abraham to go and kill his only child. Again, foreshadowing to something that we know of in the New Testament. But again, he says, go kill him. And Abraham follows through to the point where God stops him. Why? Because he believed God. Hebrews 11, the, the chapter of faith, verse 33. I think I have it on the board here. Hebrews eleven thirty-three 33 says, Through faith, these men and these women, through faith, subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became violent in battle, a valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, listen to this, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, 
were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered with about sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Let me tell you one more time, church. Seeing God's grace will result in living by and through faith which is shown through radical obedience. Did you hear the obedience of these men to the point of stonings and to the point of of, uh, scourgings and slaying by the sword? That's radical obedience. So, it's at this point that we kind of stop and we take a deep breath. The, 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 what do you call that in the mountains? What do you call that, Miss Sharla? Elevation, altitude, those words. It's changing, as you can tell. And let's take a deep breath and look out. It's beautiful. You can see the stream. You can see it with me. It's beautiful. This covenant with Abraham, this this by grace through faith, it's a beautiful thing. Take time and take that in because we're about to continue this walk, this journey, and it's about to get real rocky. That leads me to the second point here. The Mosaic Covenant reveals God's requirement for a relationship with him. So God promises Abraham that he'll be his God. He's going to bless him. He promises him this. But then Moses comes along and it just seems to all shatter apart because Moses says, this is what's required. That doesn't make sense. Oh, but it does. It shows what God reveals as a requirement for a relationship with him. It does not contradict grace by, through faith. It doesn't contradict that. It complements it. And I want you to watch this with me. Galatians chapter 3, if you're in verse 15, say amen. It says, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant. He says, first off, I'm going to compare this to a man's covenant, but this is kind of even silly in itself because we're talking about God. He says, but let's just play foolish for a minute. Let's talk about man's covenants here. He says, though it only a man's covenant, yet if confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. What's he saying here? He's saying, hey, Abraham's promise was made. We don't add or or, or take away the the Mosaic law. It does not affect this promise from God. It's not a plan B. It's It's the same promise as what Paul's getting at. Verse 16, he says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. The seed being Christ. We're going to see that in a minute. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, or offspring. And to your seed, who is Christ? And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ. That it should make the promise of no effect. For the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. So then he says, Okay, if that's the case, what's the purpose of the law? Verse 19, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, because of sins, till till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, till Jesus should come. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for only one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But there's not. He says if that would happen, Christ would have died in vain. We already read that last week. And so the second point, the Mosaic Covenant reveals God's requirement for a relationship with him. Back in verse 10, he says, we're all cursed under the law. You remember that? He says, 
We're all cursed. If we can't obey it all, we're all cursed. Catch that for a moment. He doesn't just say the atheists or the, the ones that are rebellious heathens are cursed. He says all. That means the ones that are trying to obey God with everything they have. Who come to church and pray and read the Bible. Are you with me? Every one of us is cursed according to the law. So, why? Because we can't obey it fully. And it's a requirement from a holy God to be able to commune with an unholy people. And so, we see something happen here. What's the purpose of it? He says, to show us our sin. What's the purpose of it? To see our sin. Our wicked hearts confronted by an almighty, holy God. When this happens, we see the consequences of not fulfilling the law, and that's God's wrath. We're all cursed and condemned. And the purpose of the law is to show us our hopelessness. I don't know about y'all, but when you really look at trying to do everything the right way and it continually ending in failure after failure after failure, it's a pretty hopeless place. Amen? But that's where we are apart from Christ. And the law is showing us that. It's saying, here's what God says to Abraham. I promise to be your God and you to be my people. And then here's what he's showing us through Moses. For that to happen, you have to be holy and perfect. And you can't do it. And so it's like, what about that promise, Lord? What about that? And that's where we're wrapping up to. And that leads us to this last part. And so here's where we're on this brink of this beautiful view. We've been through the treacherous roots and the, the rocks. And I'm telling you, if you're still with me this morning, you're wore out. You're tired. And we have nothing else we can do but just sit down because we're so exhausted on this journey. But it's at this point that Christ is going to pick us up and carry us to this beautiful waterfall view. And so, would you let him carry you? Third point, the fulfillment of each covenant of God is in Christ. This is what we call the new covenant. The fulfillment of each covenant, every one of them, is in Christ. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 22. But the scripture has confined us under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Paul paints this beautiful picture here. He says, here we are chained. We're chained by our sins. We're literally in bondage. And we set before a holy God that's looking right at us. Can you all imagine that for a second? Picture with me. We're chained up by our sins and our struggles and everything that binds us. And we are sitting strained before a holy, almighty God that's looking right at you. This is crazy. But what's even more crazy is he says, I see you're cursed. I see that you're condemned. But I want to take it. I want to be the curse. I don't want you to be cursed. It's almost like a judge. And he knows you're guilty. But he says, not guilty. And he knows the scandal that you are, but he gets down off the podium and he comes up and he walks down and he says, I know you're guilty, but I'm claiming you not to be guilty. And I'm going to treat you as my own son. In fact, come home and eat with us today. You're living in my house now. 
Isn't that amazing, church? That's who Christ is. The whole point of this is that we would run to Christ and we'd be on our faces before Christ saying we need you to save us. We are bound and, and we will stay in these chains for eternity unless you save me, Christ. Jesus fulfills both these covenants. The first one's the Mosaic covenant. Again, everything was the point to Christ. He says, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. In Romans, it says that he was the end of all the law. Again, this point is that he fulfills the law. And this is beautiful. Let me, I can't just pass over this. Can you imagine this for a second? What it takes the Mosaic law shows us what it takes for us to have a relationship with God. And so here's what God does. He says, I'm going to send my son who is God and man. He says he's God enough, meaning that he was born miraculously through a virgin, not the seed of man that has the curse of Adam. Y'all realize that? That's why it's so important that we have a virgin birth. He says that he's born as divine, as God, so that he can live righteously because none of us can. He's God enough to do that. But not only is he God enough, he's man enough to then take after living a perfect righteous life and to be substituted for our sin and the wrath that God had against it. He was man enough, literally man enough to do that. Jesus is God enough and man enough. He fulfills the Mosaic Covenant. Not only does He fulfill the Mosaic Covenant, but He fulfills the Abrahamic Covenant. He is the offspring, the seed that will be a blessing to all nations through the death, burial, and resurrection. He is the blessing to all nations. And that blessing is found in verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This is the new covenant, Ezekiel 36, that says, I'll sprinkle you clean, I'll wash you, I'll cleanse you, I'll take out your heart of flesh or heart of stone, I'll put a heart of flesh with my spirit in it, I'll make you where you obey and, and, and walk in my statutes, I'll change you from the inside out, he says. My spirit will reign in you. All for his glory. And this beautiful blessing is fully seen in verse 26. Now church, this is the spectacular view. This is it. Father God, prepare us for what you're about to show us. In the name of Christ, amen. Verse 26. For you are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. If you all are one in Christ Jesus, and if you are Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as it is a child, does not defer after, at all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, we were under bondage of the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but son. And if son, then an heir of God through Christ. This is the beautiful view, church, that we are adopted into God's family. This is it. That a covenant God looked at covenant people 
and fulfilled a communion with them through a covenant promise named Christ. I'm overwhelmed by this process of adoption right now. Uh, Jacqueline and I are, are actually about to go into this process. We've been going through some of the online orientations of, of fostering to adopt. And church, I'm so amazed by what God's showing me. First off, let me just tell you, this is not plan B. This is God's plan A. This is His direction. And I'm excited about what He's going to do in this. And as I've been overwhelmed by this, I read something I have to share with you. It's been from Russell Moore, and he, he, he's an adoptive parent himself, and he wrote this. Listen to this. He says, imagine for a moment that you're adopting a child as you meet with a social worker in the last stage of the process. And you're told that this 12-year-old has been in and out of psychotherapy since he was three. He persists in burning things and attempting repeatedly to skin animals alive. He acts out sexually, the social worker says, though she doesn't really fill you in on what that means. She continues with a little family history. The boy's father, grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather all had histories of violence ranging from spousal abuse to serial murder. Each of them ended their own lives. Think for a moment. Would you want this child? If you did adopt him, wouldn't you watch nervously as he played with other children? Would you watch him nervously as he looks at the knife on the kitchen table? Would you leave him in a room watching a movie with your daughter with the lights out? He says, he then writes, he's you and he's me. This boy is me and it's you. And, and that's what the gospel is telling us. That even though the wicked that we are, God said, yes. You are my son. <laughs> Praise the Lord, church. Paul closes chapter 4 and I don't have time to read it. But he closes it with this pastoral plea. To live in the freedom of the new covenant. He says, live in the freedom of it. Don't be bound by, by sin. And, and the law is what shows you that bondage. Don't live in that. Live in the freedom of Christ. I know many of y'all are trying this on your own. I want y'all to know that I know. I see it. We're trying it on our own. I, I want to invite you to stop. Church, stop. Don't try this on your own any longer. It doesn't work. It always ends in failure. Turn to Christ. Go to Christ. Run to Christ. Fall on your knees before Christ. Plea out to Christ. Ask and beg before Christ. Run this morning to Jesus. I want to give you all an opportunity to do that before we take of the Lord's Supper. I want to give you an opportunity right now to respond. But I want you all to stay in your seats. It's going to get dark in here. And I want you to stay in your seats. And I want um, you to turn off the stage lights if you can do that. And if you all um, need to get up and go, you leave before the lights go off right now. But just take a few minutes and stay where you are. Don't get in the aisles. And go ahead and turn the lights off if you can. And you'll have to turn on those stage lights and turn them off again until that fixes. <laughs> it goes crazy sometimes. There you go. Perfect. 
And then if you would go ahead and play the song, Lisa. Before she does that, let me just share something. This whole message from Galatians is a message about being freed. And I know, like I just said, many of us are not free. And I'm begging you to run to Christ this morning to be freed. Let them chains fall off. Literally think about the chains that are holding you in your seat this morning and ask the Lord to deliver you from them.
If you just turn the stage lights on, brother. Church, y'all can be seated. I pray that the Lord doesn't just let you say that was cool. I pray that your spirit has been moved by the truth of the power that is in the cross. That as we bow before the cross, by God's grace, literally, those chains are broken. Please don't leave this place shackled. May the Lord break you free, deliver you, rescue you, save you. And if you are a Christian and you know it and your chains have been broke free, maybe it's been a while since you've just taken a look at that cross and the price it paid for you. The price that Christ paid for you on the cross. And maybe you leave today again with just a simple glimpse of the majesty, the glory, the holiness of Christ. As y'all came in, y'all grabbed a, hopefully a, a um, elements of the Lord's Supper. If you did not, raise your hand and uh, someone in the back helped me out uh, with passing them out. Raise your hand really high. And make sure everybody gets one if you want one. I want to remind you that the Lord's Supper is a special time. The Lord's Supper is a time in which we are communing together. The covenant promise that God has given us, this is a celebration of that promise. That He communes with us. That He is our God and we are His people. And by taking of this, we remember the promise that He made all the way in the beginning. We remember the price He paid to fulfill the promise there on the cross. And so church, this is for someone that knows Christ. If you are still confused, if you are a follower of Christ, I ask you not to take this. I ask you to counsel with me and, and, and let's seek Christ. Because this is a celebration. Baptism is kind of like the reception of, of that, and this is kind of like the anniversary, except for we need to do it more than once a year. And we simply go before Him, and we say, thank you, Lord. And I pray that as what we just watched it has been a reality in your life, in which God has freed you and delivered you, that you would remember the price He paid as we take of this. Can we do that, church? Children, if you have children in here, if they're young especially, I encourage you to really counsel through with them. And, and if they're not in Christ, then this is not the time for them to take this. Um, they'll have a time when they do that. This is a meaningful thing. And so if you would, just go ahead and open up the breads in the top. And so there's a little cellophane that comes off before the juice. And again, this is not God's, this is not Christ's physical body i believe i don't think this is his physical blood however i believe that there's a huge symbol in which we are partaking in him with him through him and we do that together and so church i'll give you a minute is there some instrumental music you can play too i don't have any on there but that way we can just have some silence too afterwards let me just see by a show of hands how many people's got the bread. Okay. The Bible's also very clear about doing this in a worthy manner. And now again, 
that happens only through Christ making you worthy through his death, burial, and resurrection. It is not of your worth. But if there is unconfessed sin that you have that you want to take before Christ, take a moment right now and do that very thing. And if you want to, you can go ahead and open the cup too. Jesus has recorded it. This is for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. He says that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And so if you would just take the bread, hold it in your hand. It says, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. That's the very thing we've been talking about this morning, church, the new covenant. This symbolizes his new covenant in his blood. He says, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Since our deacons didn't get to serve it today, I'm just going to ask that a few of you would just lead us in a word of prayer. Whoever you are, if you're a deacon, if you would just lead us in a word of prayer. Father God, Lord, we surrender ourselves before you this morning, God. And God, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, Lord, help our hearts be so humbled before you, Lord. And let your name be so exalted above us, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. 
Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Dear Lord God, I thank you for your son. I thank you for your love, your mercy, and grace. Yes, Lord. Bless us so much. Help us all. Lord, help me to be what you want to be with us. Yes, God. Show me how to be close to you and to do your will in all things, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that as we leave this place today, Lord, that we would leave with a glimpse of seeing the glorious Christ. God, I've seen you today. I praise you for seeing me today. Help us all see you. Live by faith, Lord, but be in all of your grace, Lord. And God, I know when we see who you are, that radical obedience does follow, God, but it's by your grace and through faith, Lord. Lord, help us lean into you every day, Lord. We love you, Father. Thank you for a time that we've had in your house today. Lord, we praise you and we exalt the name of Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. John Watts, I'm going to ask if you'd just verbally uh, lead us in amazing grace, the first verse. Will you do that for me?